This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily and sometimes more than daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Fraser Nelson and it is day one of the national campaign when it comes to the Tory leadership contest. Fraser, Liz Truss has been keeping a fairly low profile when it comes to broadcast interviews. She's given her first broadcast interview the contest this morning uh, on the Today programme. You were there to offer some snap analysis straight after. What did you make of it? Of course, her first broadcast interview was Spectator TV a couple of days ago. Her second one was on the Today programme. And there, I was actually quite impressed. I thought she came out fighting. She was really doubling down on being the candidate of change. And she was ready for the counterattacks. You know, can you name one economist who backs you, etc., etc. Which for her is quite helpful, really, because... Um, These are the sort of arguments which the Brexiteers and most of the Tory party members are used to not listening to, given that most economists didn't see inflation coming, didn't see the crash coming. It's not a particularly potent charge right now. The more that she was accused of being radical and unworkable, the greater difference she was able to demonstrate with Rishi Sunak, who is really surprising me by the extent that he seems to be positioning himself as a candidate of continuity. Now, this is, I think, is a bit of a puzzle um, here, because th- there's, there's almost like two Rishi Sunaks. There's a Rishi Sunak who I still believe that I know. In other words, this is the guy who was fighting very hard against lockdown. He was fighting most of Boris Johnson's bad ideas, and he went along with them out of a spirit of collective responsibility. But he was the voice of restraint. And now, I remember we actually admitted it in one interview. He said, I want to cut up Boris Johnson's credit card because the guy's spending too much. And now you see what he would do without, when he was in control, control of the credit card himself. And he hasn't really able to differentiate. He gave a, and he wrote a Daily Telegraph column today that seems to be a competition for how many times you can fit the word Thatcher in one paragraph. And um, also enlisting Thatcher in what I regard as a rather strange way as the patron saint of high-tax, high-spend conservatism. And he was saying during the interview that he was going to do lots of public service reform and be as bold as, you guessed it, Thatcher, which I like the sound of, but I haven't got a clue what that means. So he's hinting at a reform agenda that he hasn't yet articulated. What I'm trying to work out is whether he has given up on what I had regarded previously as his practical radicalism and whether he is just, because of the backing he's getting right now, is changing tax. So right now, I think this has been a good day for Liz Truss, because the Tory membership will be thinking to themselves, what's the point in deposing a prime minister if you're not going to go for change? And wouldn't it be nice to be able to make good our manifesto pledge not to have raised national insurance? James, do you think we're going to get more of a sense of what Rishi Sunak means when he says he's more like Thatcher, put the flesh and the bones of his programme, or is he just relying on people believing and then waiting for him to potentially become Prime Minister? Uh, I think you're going to get more policy from him. He's basically got until August the 1st when these ballot papers go out to change minds. Um, We should probably discuss that a little bit. I mean, August the 1st, right? The the debates will continue for the next six weeks until the end of August. Mm. But there's been a change, hasn't there, in the timetables? As I understand it, the, the CCHQ was so paranoid about the unions kind of spoiling the whole thing with a strike, but they put out the postal ballots early. Therefore, what, rather than have a five- or six-week campaign, 
you've effectively got until the end of next week. Yeah, I mean, the, the view is that about half or I mean, on the historical precedence, about half of people will essentially return their ballot paper by return of post. And that is why the BBC debate on Monday next week matters so much. And why, if you're going to get your policies out, to Katie's question, you've got to do it quickly, sooner rather than later. Mm. I, I think the... And, and by the way, the, the other thing, as, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the debating format suited Rishi very well. Because he has got lot, I think he performed very, very strongly in the, in the debates. He had lots of polish. He was almost like a game show host. She looked like she was on trial. She was um, actually admitted at one stage that she wasn't particularly good at this presentation. And I thought to myself, that's a hell of an admission for somebody who wants to run a general election campaign against Keir Starmer. So it seemed to me if there were going to be 10 debates, that would have given Rishi Sunak the advantage. But if most Tories are going to be voting only after one debate, then this tilts the scales in her favour quite significantly. Yeah, look, obviously, if you were trying to come from behind, as Rishi Sunak is in this round, you would want people to vote as late as possible. And also because I think mean, I mean, those those advantages that you talked about would come more to the fore. The schedule, I think, certainly makes it it harder. I think there is a question here, though, which is an interesting one on on your Thatcher point, if I may, Katie. Which is, I did think listening to Liz Truss on the radio this morning that there is an eschewing of hard choices here. That this, this it did sound to, to use a, to use a phrase rather cakeist, you know, she was going to be able to cut taxes, there's going to be no return to austerity, and we're going to have more defence spending. But where is the hard choice in that? I'm always suspicious when politicians set out platforms that don't involve any hard choices. What about Rishi Sunak's uh, £15 billion giveaway, giving people like you and me, James, 400 quid that we frankly don't need? That's being financed by deficit, isn't that just the same as Liz Truss's um, deficit? I mean, aren't they both different forms of deficit finance stimulus? I think there's a slight difference because one is a one-off payment, one is a permanent tax cut. A slight difference, but I would argue not a night and day difference. No, look, I mean, you can exaggerate the differences between Truss and Sunak. But I also do think that when I look at the policy platform, I do think I'm not entirely sure that there is the hard choice in there that I expect. And I also think on the, on the social, to take the, our opposition to the national insurance increase, right? Fine. But you still support the policy. So... And this policy is going to become progressively more expensive over time with an ageing population. So if the state is going to step in to stop people having to pay for that, for, mm. to sell their homes to pay for social care, and you're not going to fund it, yeah, it's, it's, what, it's, what's it's, going to happen? I, mean, I, mean, I, just, I, I, I agree with you. But, but, it can be fantasy, yeah. And I think this is the point here, right, which is, is the Tory party a fiscally conservative party that accepts that if a state is going to take on new commitments, it has to fund them, or is it just going to pretend that you can put everything on the never-never? I mean, that is a really important question in this contest. Liz Truss's campaign, if, they're, if I'll represent them temporarily here, would be saying that the no, there's a different fundamental question. Is the, is the Conservative Party a, a party that keeps its promises over um, not increasing taxes? And is the Conservative Party, the, either it's the party of low taxation or it is nothing. If it becomes a high-tax, high-spend Labour epigone, then it will be condemned to defeat at the next election. So I guess it's the bottom, where, where is your bottom line? Rishi Sunak's bottom line is fiscal conservatism, as you say, James. The government should absolutely not spend money which it can't raise in taxes. Fair enough, that's his bottom line. Liz Truss has got her bottom line. This government cannot... They should not be put up, put up taxes during a cost of living crisis. Taxes are going to go down, and if that means starving the beasts, 
then so be it. Also, if that means extra deficit for the while, so be it. And by the way, let's not pretend that ever since the crash, we have been funding day-to-day government spending out of borrowing. So what's the harm of a little more? Now, by the way, and that is not my position, where, where you and I differ, James, is I, I don't, I'm not as much worried about a deficit finance tax cut. I don't think it would be the calamity that, that others do. My major concern about it is that it's not sustainable, that sooner or later there'll come a crisis where that tax cut will not be, and by the way, it will be sooner rather than later. If you look at the debt figures today, absolutely shocking. I think the amount of debt interest were paid was something like seven, went up by £17 billion in one month. Now, this goes to show with this debt tap that this trust is reaching for, will not be running for that much longer. And by the way, nor will it be running to help Rishi Sunak's um, spending campaign. James, you've got your hand up like a... Because I fear that we might fully exasperate Katie if we carry on like this. No, I, I'd like to hear your reply, James. Oh, look, you use the phrase solve the beast, an old Reaganite phrase. I think this is my fundamental issue with the trust position. It is trying to map on a US argument into a British political context, economic context, which is totally different. The US has the global reserve currency. It it is the world's largest economy. It therefore has options that are not open to the UK. The US can run much, can go for deficit funded tax. I mean, also the Reagan tax cuts didn't actually make up, didn't actually make up the deficit in the way that they were intended to. But ultimately for the US, because the US can borrow so easily and so cheaply, it didn't matter. As you said, the US, um, the UK debt interest payments are at a monthly record since since uh, a record monthly record in the figures that came out today. But I'll get my my words out right. And the pound is down about thirteen percent this year. I really think that you are. That is the euro. Yeah, sure, but you are running risks here. I think if you start doing this, I think we could well be sitting around this table and on a hundred days in and thinking, oh, that has been a bit riskier than we thought. I mean, I think there is a temptation to think that this era of cheap money and easy borrowing was it was going to become a permanent feature. And therefore, because rates were going to be low for longer, you could borrow, 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 borrow and never worry about it. I think that that bet that you can borrow, 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 borrow is looking much, much riskier now than it has looked at any point since 2008. I agree, but what about the Sunak um, fuel duty tax cut that cost about two and a half billion quid? That's deficit finance, surely. Two and a half billion is a much smaller number than the 38 billion that Liz Truss I don't hear your principled objection to that. I think there is a difference. Well, I bet you do. No, sure. I think there is a difference between cutting fuel duty at a time when the cost of fuel could be deleterious to economic activity. Sorry, that's exactly what this trust is saying no, about no. national insurance. I, look, if you look at the tight labour market right now, right, that does not suggest that people are not hiring people because of national insurance. We, we have a very tight labour market right They now. might not be taking jobs because they pay so little. We've discussed this on this podcast previously when you've worried about the Tories raising the living wage to such a rate that they have. So I, I think that you know, those positions here, if you look at how much the minimum wage is now compared to where it was in 2010, it is substantially higher. Fraser, judging from what you've seen so far, debates, policies, pledges, who do you think is the most likely to win a general election? It's difficult to tell, really. I mean... Um, it's a part of me thinks that Keir Starmer is still the Tories' greatest asset. You can easily see him losing to Liz Truss. You can see him losing to Rishi Sunak. The opinion polls say that out of those two, Sunak would be marginally more likely to win, but it's easily within the margin 
of error. My bigger concern is that this leadership campaign will box Sunak into a position where he will never cut taxes because he'll have had in its head that this is some evil Reaganite plot and that true conservatives will just will just keep putting them up. Um, I, I'm reminded very much of the 2005 campaign of David Cameron versus David Davis, where the Cameronites used exactly this, this language. I think they're the ones who invented it. That um, David Davis is the Reaganites because he wanted to cut taxes where Cameron was the Thatcherite because he didn't. And I think that did the Conservative Party great harm because that leadership election meant that Cameron was from that point onwards kind of wedded not really to offering any tax cuts or spending cuts. So he signed up to Labour's high-spend, high-tax agenda. And when the general election came on, the Tory offering was so undistinct from that of the Labour Party that Cameron couldn't even win a majority against Gordon Brown. So I right now don't think there's that much difference between Sunak and Truss. I think they both agree in deficit-funded stimulus. But I do worry that the exaggeration of these differences will stop Rishi Sunak doing what I think is his biggest single opportunity, which is delivering more plausible and more sustainable tax cuts. He's almost, we're in danger now of getting back to the Cameroon phrase, where tax cuts becomes a dirty word. Now, when taxes are at a 74-year high, that does leave the Conservative Party in rather a dangerous place, and it leaves the voters wondering just how much more expensive a Labour government could really be. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening. A Spectator subscription is now better value than ever before. As a new subscriber joining today, you'll pay just £1 a week for unlimited online and app access in your first year. To subscribe today, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited.